For this episode of Speaking of Suicide, I'm talking to Alice Hendy. Alice is an IT and cyber security specialist who lost her brother Josh to suicide on the 25th of November 2020. Like many of the people I've talked to for Speaking of Suicide, Alice is turning her grief into a mission to help prevent other families from going through the hell that her and her parents have been experiencing in the years since Josh died. The way Alice is doing that is through an innovative computer download called Ripple, which we're going to hear all about. Just before I talk to Alice, a word of warning. Speaking of suicide is meant to be open and honest. That's the whole point of it. But that doesn't always make for an easy listen. So remember, you can always press pause. And don't forget, there is support available from lots of avenues, including Mikey's line. I'll give their details out after we've heard from Alice. Alice, thank you for for joining me. Before we talk in detail about Ripple and how it came about, let's talk about your brother, Josh. But I do want to just say the intention of this series, Alice, is to provide help and support. It's not to put you through the ringer. So if there's anything you don't feel comfortable talking about, there's no pressure. Just set it to one side. Okay. No problem. Thanks, Grand. So Josh, what, what was he like, your younger brother? We were very close. He was 21 when he passed away in November of 2020. In terms of his hobbies and what he enjoyed doing, he used to DJ. So I've got lots of uh, very happy memories of him DJing at house parties that I would have when I moved up to London. Uh, He loved weekends away with me. We've had many um, in London and also Amsterdam, Cologne, where we went and had a bit of brother-sister bonding time. And he was fun, really, really fun to be around. Always seemed to be happy, got on with everybody. He worked as a security guard for the Ministry of Defence, where we're from in Portsmouth. And just didn't really see this coming, Penny, to be honest with you. I'm not sure that anyone ever can, um, even if they know that that someone's got mental health challenges. I think it's, I mean, that's the thing about suicide, isn't it? It's just so shocking. I mean, when when you were growing up, how much did you feel responsible for Josh? Were you the, the kind of real big sister role? Absolutely. There was seven and a half years between my brother and I. So I was absolutely the protective sister. If he had girlfriends, I'd want to see them. (laughs) If he didn't do very well at a test at school, I'd want to know why. Um, You know, I wanted the best for him. And he probably thought that I was nagging him and getting on his case. But all the way through, all, all I wanted as his older sister was for him to do well. And I was trying to provide, you know, my experience of going through really similar things to try to encourage him to do it, to do as best as he can in in anything in life. Um, But yeah, very protective. And um, I still feel still feel that. I'm sure you do, because it's not that long since since you lost him. Um, How much did you know about Josh's mental health struggles? Did he discuss them with you? Did you talk about them as a family? He did tell me that he had mental health struggles. I think like lots of us. But never ever did I dream that it would go to the extreme 
of ending his life. I think lots of people struggle day to day with their mental health and anxiety and things that we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis through life. But I had no idea that he was effectively planning to, to end his life and that that was something that he wanted to do. I think if I had have known that, you know, like I, I'm sure many of your other guests, when, when they lose somebody to suicide, there's so many what ifs and wishing that you could go back and wishing that you'd perhaps taken some conversations a bit more seriously. Um, so he, he did absolutely struggle with his mental health. But yeah, as I said, never in a million years did I think it would result in, in what's happened. So a massive Massive shock when you heard he'd he'd taken his life. Um, how did, how did you hear? I got told by my parents. So I was staying with with my parents at the time. It was six o two in the morning on the twenty fifth of November, and my parents opened my bedroom door and turned my light on when I was asleep, and they both sat at the bottom of my bed. And they just said, Josh, Josh has taken his own life. And I honestly thought that I was in some kind of nightmare, to be honest. I I just couldn't believe what was being said to me. My mum and dad had just been told themselves about 30 minutes prior by the police that came knocking at the front door at 5.30 in the morning. And they'd had the conversation in the living room. So it was my parents that told me, but there was no, there was no tears. There wasn't really any words spoken. We were all just sat there looking at each other in disbelief, to be honest, complete and utter shock and disbelief. And that brings out some horrendous reactions of your of your body um i think i was quite violently sick um i mean i i don't think i've actually processed it even now that that conversation it still doesn't seem real even as we're approaching a year it still just doesn't seem real so yeah that's how i was told grief is an experience that all of us share at some point in our lives but you've written very eloquently about grief from suicide being a unique kind of grief. How did it hit you? Describe some of the emotions that, that you went through in the aftermath of Josh's death. I think the first emotion that I had was complete and utter disbelief and shock. It then moves into confusion you know, why did he feel that that was his only option? Why didn't he come to us and tell us that the extent in which he was struggling? I think it's then also guilt. Should I have done more? Should I have checked in with him more? Should I have taken some of his comments more seriously? Is there anything that I could have done to stop this happening? I think anger then comes into it. 
how on earth can he leave us like this? How can he think that this is an acceptable thing to do and leave us really to pick up the pieces and also leave me to pick up the pieces from my my parents' perspective as well? It's now just me. I'm the only, only person now. I don't have a brother or sister anymore. So for the rest of my life, everything with regards to my parents now falls on me and there's an added pressure with that. So there's absolutely anger. And if he was here now, I'd definitely give him a slap for, for what he's done, you know. Um, and I think it, it then really has gone into just complete despair and sadness just so so sad that I I don't have a brother anymore and my parents don't have a son anymore and that he thought that this was his only option and all of those feelings that I've just described to you there are feelings that I experience every single day I'm very much still grieving this is not just for a few months after the event this is a long, long road to recovery. And in actual fact, I'm not sure I'm ever going to recover. I think it's going to be more a case of trying to rebuild my life around this. How much in the wake of, of Josh's death did you take it as sort of your responsibility to maybe look after your parents a bit in all this? I mean, did you look after Josh's affairs and, you know? Yeah, literally everything, absolutely everything. And what a minefield that is. When you lose somebody, it's bad enough. When you lose somebody to suicide, there's so much more to it that you have to sort out. Not only was I trying to support my parents, I took everything off of them, including organising the funeral from start to finish, the interment, what writing and text we wanted on his gravestone. We were in the peak of the COVID pandemic, which made this even harder because we were limited with the guests. So not only did I have to organise a funeral in person, but I had to organise one virtually for people to almost watch like it was some kind of film, which I really wasn't comfortable with, but I knew I had to do. What clothes to put him in, the order of service, dealing with the police and all of their investigation, dealing with the coroner and the inquest that had to come up, ordering the death certificate. And that's without even going into Josh's actual estate, which was like, a 10,000 piece puzzle with all of the pieces the same colour is the only way I can describe that. It, it was like I had to be detective to find out who his contracts were with, who his insurance policies were with, you know, cancelling all of those, those aspects. And there was a lot and it turned out that he was in also a huge amount of financial difficulty. So I was dealing also with some very, very difficult organisations 
where I was desperately trying to get them to write off loans and payments that he owed and had defaulted on. So, um, and I still get letters even to this day about that. So it just adds to the complete trauma of everything. Um, so every single part of the aftermath of, of Josh, I dealt with. And to be honest, I wouldn't have had that any other way because at that moment in time, it gave me something to, to do and to focus on. And I almost used it as a project to try to get me through each hour. But it must... Because it was each hour as opposed to each day. But it sounds like it must have come with huge pressure on you. Were, were the cracks for you? And, and how did they show if there were? Yeah, there were cracks and there still are cracks. It would come out very randomly without warning. Um, my anger at times was just off the scale. My own mental health at times, particularly in the probably the first three or four weeks after losing Josh, was dangerous. Very, very dangerous because there were if I'm really honest with you, and there still are times that I feel like this, there are absolutely times that I want to follow him. And that I think, do you know what? I'll just do the same thing here. I know that I can't do that. And I'm getting support for that and for those feelings. But there there was one, one moment in particular I remember about three weeks after Josh left us. And I remember my mum desperately calling NHS 111 and the crisis team because I was just almost rocking in a, in a ball in my bedroom, not wanting to be alive. I had no interest in living at all. And actually, I'd have been you know, in my opinion at that time, better off because the pain was so, so unbearable. You obviously showed, you know, very physical characteristics of, of or symptoms of that that internal pain and your mum could see what you were, were going through. But I wonder if it's also really difficult to own up to your own mental health struggles in the wake of something like the suicide of a close friend or family member because... I'd imagine you almost don't want to add more worry and concern on top of everyone else's grief. Is is there any sense that you have to kind of lock in how you're feeling? Yeah, all the time, all the time. So if I'm having a bad day now, which is a regular occurrence, I am reluctant to tell my parents because my opinion and my stance on that is, well, they've already lost one child. How How is that going to help them when they're still grieving if they know that the other child is also feeling that way? And that's really difficult because I know I do need to talk about my feelings and I need support. And I think I'm going to for a very long time. But my parents are probably not the best people for me to go to for that. And that's why I've gone down the counselling route. And it's why I've also got 
I've got some fantastic friends who are there for me and that who I feel comfortable and confident in speaking to openly and honestly. From losing Josh, one of the key things that I wanted him to do was to talk about it. If he had have spoken about his feelings, he might still be here. So how much of a hypocrite would I be if I didn't speak about how I'm feeling? Hmm. Alice, you wrote that Josh's death has changed you as a person. Obviously, you're going through a lot of grief and pain. But what do you see as being the biggest changes in you? Sorry, Penny, can I just have of a second? You can. We can pause. I'm sorry, Alice, I didn't mean to upset you. No, it's not you, sorry. Take as long as you need. We'll continue with Alice's story in just a moment, but if listening to this is striking a chord with you, don't forget it's okay not to be okay. And if you need someone to talk to, you can text Mikey's line on 07786 20 77 55 or contact them via Messenger, web chat or Twitter, Sunday to Thursday, 6pm to 10pm, Friday to Saturday, 7pm to 7am. Let's carry okay. on. Let's carry on. I think I've sorted myself out now. Sorry about That's that. That's okay. We shall change tack and we'll come on to talk about Ripple. Okay. Alice, one thing really snagged me in an article you wrote because you said you now have what you see as a duty to carry out work in suicide prevention and decrease stigma surrounding the issue by sharing your story. Duty is a big word. Um, to what extent is that duty a pressure or does it feel like it's a, a good place to put all these emotions and feelings that you're you're battling with this year? I think it is a duty. I think anybody who has gone through something like this has a duty to stop it happening to any other people because the impact that it has on an individual and a family is, well, the only way I can describe it is like a bomb going off in, in your life. It's just the only way I, I can describe it. And it takes years to try to even think about rebuilding it. I think because suicide is so horrendous, losing somebody to suicide is so horrendous, if you, if you are unlucky enough to experience losing somebody in this way, you need to put your learnings to use in some positive capacity because actually that's helping you put all of your emotions and how you're feeling actually into something positive that might just stop someone else doing this and from my perspective might stop any other sisters waking up and feeling how I feel every morning. Well let's talk about Ripple. Explain what it is and how the whole thing came about. So my background is IT and cyber security. I've been doing that now for a number of years at big banks and insurance companies. 
And when I found out that I'd lost my brother, a big part of what I wanted to do was to try to get answers. What was so bad in his life that made him want to do this? And when I looked through his phone and his laptop, I found that he'd been looking at some just horrible stuff on the internet, really. Um, Forums, groups, horrible searches that he was carrying out on search engines. And when I conducted the same searches that my brother did, I wanted to see what support comes up for that person because they're clearly in crisis and at danger and at risk. So what, what comes up to provide that person with some help? And the answer is not a lot. And so it was Christmas Day 2020 that I decided, because Christmas Day was a horrible day for my family in 2020, and I think it will be for a long time, I decided that instead of having the usual Christmas dinner and having fun and watching films, that I would make a commitment to build something that could intercept people and provide them with that support. So Ripple is a browser extension. It's available to download for free on Google Chrome and Microsoft Edge. And once it's downloaded, that means that if anybody searches for any terms or phrases or questions relating to the topic of self-harm or suicide, that my Ripple tool will intercept their, their search before any of those search results come up. It will provide them with a message of hope that things will get better and it will provide them with a selection of different mental health resources that they can choose to utilise. Nothing like that exists or has ever existed in the past, which I find shocking. I mean, it sounds like a, I mean, it's like the best, like the, all the best ideas. It, it, it sort of, it seems so obvious once you think of it. And when I, when I'd read about you coming up with Ripple, I thought, oh, yes. It seems just like such a, a, a just a smart, smart idea. In terms of, of downloading it, can you download it on everything? Is it on smartphones? Is it on any any tech of choice? Because I think about my, my daughter and her generation, all, you know, they're, they're welded to mm. their smartphones. Yeah. So it's available at the moment on computers and desktops. So that means that it can be deployed en masse for schools, colleges, universities, businesses, libraries, they can all install Ripple on mass scale to, if they wanted to, thousands of their computers across their IT estate. Parents and individuals can also install this for free on their computers and desktops. I launched this tool on the 10th of September, which was World Suicide Prevention Mm -hmm. Day that I deliberately chose. Um, So since then, we are working very hard behind the scenes in between our full time day jobs to try to get this in some capacity on mobile devices and tablets. Because as you very rightly said, young people in particular 
are glued to the phones and they're glued to the tablets and therefore something needs to be put onto those devices going forward. So that really is the next step for me and my team to make that happen. But at the moment, it is on computers and desktops and it's available now to download, which is absolutely better than nothing. What's been the response so far? I mean, I know it's relatively recently that you you launched it. How's the rollout Mm. going? It's been overwhelmingly positive. It's been downloaded over 25,000 times. I've had 21 individuals approach me directly and tell me that the Ripple tool intercepting them at their most vulnerable point when they are searching for ways to end their life has actually saved them. And for me, that gives me a purpose in life. I said on Christmas day to my parents last year, if I can just stop one person from doing this, I'd have achieved what I've set out to do. So for me to have been able to contribute to 21 other people still being here to tell the tale and live, live a life, it's more than I could ever have have wished for. And I'm sure there's many more people that just haven't reached out to me directly to tell me. And I hope it will continue to save people every day. That's 21 people in a really short period of time. I mean, it's only been... It's only been available for, as well, when we're talking, what, just over a month, a couple of months? That's amazing. Lights the need for this. The, the statistics show that in the last two years, searches for suicide methods online have increased by 50%. Searches for suicide helplines have increased by 125% in two years. You know, that to me says that people don't know where to go to get support. And the idea is that my tool brings that together, all of those support options, to show you exactly where you can go to get support at a time when you are most vulnerable and searching for this stuff. And and just to be clear, this tool is not about tracking what people are searching for. It's about intercepting those searches. So there isn't suddenly some kind of record of people's search history, is there? No, not not at all. And this really is not Big Brother's watching you. There is no data captured here about the person whatsoever. I won't be able to tell who searched for what. I won't be able to tell where they're located. We don't, we're not allowed to, and we don't want to gain any of that information. But what we can get from a a data and a statistics perspective is the number of times that the Ripple tool has been triggered, i.e. a harmful search has been conducted, what the search terms are, so what, what terms have actually triggered the tool in the first place, And how many times, once somebody has been intercepted by the Ripple tool, have they actually gone on to click on one of the support options that have come up for them? Because there's a range on there. We've got call helplines like NHS 111 and Samaritans. We've got a text service from Shout on there. We've got the web chat facility from Calm on there. And we've got other apps that you can download, such as the Hub of Hope. 
um, Click, which is a forum to connect with like-minded people that might also be struggling. We want to give people a choice because not everybody likes to talk over the telephone. And there are so many amazing free 24-hour resources out there to help you. Why shouldn't you be given the choice as to what works best for you? I would imagine it's rather early to, to be able to be uh, seeing what those analytics are all saying just yet. But is the intention that you'll take that information and, and feed it back into upgrading it, evolving it in line with what, what you're seeing? How do you see it changing over, over time? Yeah, so the idea is that once we've got enough data after a, a decent period of time has passed, we're going to share that data with mental health charities like Shout and Calm and Young Minds and so on, and even the NHS, because actually our data will be able to help them shape their services. If we say to them that a particular method or a particular search term is really prevalent, then that can help shape their awareness, their campaigns and so on and so forth. It's also going to be part of our best practice to actually publish data on the amount of times people have been intercepted by the tool. So how many times it's been triggered and the good news story, if you like, in terms of how many people have gone on to get that support. Because so often we're talking about the the bad news stories all the time and how many people we've lost. How lovely and uplifting to actually say, actually, of the people that were in trouble and searching for this stuff, X percent clicked on one of the support options to go and get some help. Because if you are searching for this material online, they need some help and they need some support. And there is plenty of that available. So where can we find this tool? So you can install it directly through my website. It's ripplesuicideprevention.com. And there's a button on there that says install. If you click on that button, it will take you to an instruction video on exactly how you can install Ripple. It takes under 60 seconds to download it. And if you just put that into perspective, that 60 seconds could save a life because you do not know what people are looking at on the internet. And you do not know what is going on in their mind. If I'd had any idea that my brother was looking at this material, things may have been different. And I also believe that if something like Ripple had existed a year ago, I might still have a brother. And is there anywhere, Alice, that we can go and see it, sort of how it works in practice, where you can see a a demo of it kind of thing? Yeah, again, on my website, um, I've got lots of material on there, but also through my social media channels. So I'm on LinkedIn. It's Alice Hendy, Ripple Suicide Prevention. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, which is Ripple Suicide Prevention. And I'm on Twitter, which is at Ripple Tools. On there, I often post lots and lots of content around the tool itself statistics and what you can do to support me in rolling this tool out far and wide as possible particularly to schools colleges universities parents and individuals where they can install this tool for free in under 60 seconds 
I suspect you won't feel like patting yourself on the back for all this because you're still going through so much pain and grief after losing Josh. But I want to pat you on the back for doing this because I do think it's remarkable. <laughs> and you've already achieved amazing things with it. So I hope in time you'll allow yourself that. Might not be now, but maybe in time. Thanks, Penny. I appreciate that. Um, obviously, you know, it's nice to get recognition and, and praise, but ultimately, you know, I'd rather Ripple didn't exist and didn't need to exist. I'd rather I still have my brother here. Um, and I also want to just point out also that I have the most amazing, dedicated team of volunteers behind me that have made Ripple a reality. And without those individuals, particularly David Savage at Blue Tea Software in London, Ripple wouldn't exist. So I might be the face behind it purely because of my own personal experience. But without that team that you can all find on my website, where I've listed each and every one of them and, and their role in this, Ripple wouldn't be anywhere near as successful and wouldn't have saved 21 people from taking their life. 21 so far. 21 so far. So far. Alice, in a sense, you've done all this in, in memory of Josh. You've certainly done it because of Josh. Let's end on a positive, another positive. What's your favourite memory of him? My favourite memory of Josh is probably when I had a house party in London when I was a student and I'd had slightly too much to drink and went to bed very early and the next morning I woke up to go into the bathroom and I took the shower curtain to one side to have a shower and my brother was lying in there asleep in the bathtub after also having too much to drink. <laughs> So um, I had to quickly throw him out. Um, and it, yeah, it was a bit of a shock, I think, for both of us. But uh, yeah, I've got, I've got loads and loads of very happy, fun memories of, of him and with him. So uh, yeah, just holding on to them as best I can. Before I let you go, give us the details once again for how we find the Ripple download. Sure. Please, please go onto my website. It's ripplesuicideprevention.com. And I am on, on all social media platforms as well. LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter under Ripple Tools or Ripple Suicide Prevention. Alice, thank you so much for talking to me, for speaking of suicide. I know it's been tough. Um, go well as best you can. Thanks, Penny. Thanks for having me. I was talking to Alice Hendy. A reminder of Mikey's line, if you or someone you know needs help or advice, you can text 07786 20 77 55 or contact them via Messenger, web chat or Twitter Sunday to Thursday 6pm to 10pm, Friday to Saturday 7pm to 7am. Now here's Shona McPherson from Mikey's line with a few thoughts for you to mull over. Listening to Alice, I thought Ripple sounded like a brilliant idea and almost surprised that nobody had actually thought of this before. Uh, so I downloaded it last night uh, on my Google Chrome and 
did a couple of searches. I used the word suicide. I used the word self-harm. And on both occasions, the app popped up. And it felt like it was really compassionately worded and it had helpful links. And it also had this sort of um, breathing technique. You could see the circle that helped you count your breaths. So, yeah, amazing to actually see that life-saving app in action and to hear Alice articulate more about that and how it came about. But the other thing I think is important to observe from the podcast was how articulate Alice was about her emotions at the time of hearing about her brother's suicide and kind of how that's still the case in her every day. These same emotions are are there for her, how she articulated the cycle of disbelief, of confusion, of guilt, of despair, of sadness, of anger, and these intense feelings day in, day out. And she spoke of having to take care of everything in the face of Josh's death, taking on a lot of responsibility and trying to keep her own emotions uh, to herself and then actually being hit by off-the-scale anger to the extent that she herself felt suicidal and that her mum called NHS 111 for her when, in her words, the pain was so unbearable. And it's such an important reminder for us or for you if you have been bereaved by suicide. It is incredibly difficult. You will be day in, day out experiencing these difficult emotions So you are at risk yourself, you need care, you need support. So like like Alice has demonstrated for us, and we are all human, we all need support. And she gave us the example of, yes, using NHS 111, of getting counselling, of talking to friends that she trusted and felt safe, safe with. And she said that the thing that helps her do that and ask for help is is um, uh, remembering that she wanted Josh to talk about his problems and that um, that's reminded her that she needs to keep herself safe by talking about what's going on for her. So really powerful listen and thanks to Alice for, for sharing so honestly and articulately. And if you are affected by any of the issues raised in this podcast, please do reach out, contact Mikey's line or another support line or talk to somebody that you trust. This episode was made possible thanks to Mikey's line and the podcast platform is supported by D&D Paving Limited. Please do like, share and comment about the podcast. And if you want to get involved by sponsoring an episode or by telling your story, get in touch with Mikey's line. Speaking of Suicide is an adventurous audio production. The music is Nana by Tom Ireland. <laughs>